God, we just come before you. Just so thankful for this time of worship. God, we just thank you for um, just meeting us here. God, we just pray that uh, you would speak through John. God, we just thank you for um, just the gift you've given him. God, I just pray that he would just continue to um, stay close to you. And God, I just ask that in this time, God, that we would look to you just for the strength and wisdom we need, God, that can only come from you. We just ask this in your name. Amen. Good morning, Hill City. Um, just a couple quick announcements on your bulletin. If you guys um, haven't looked at it, there is Safe Families coming next week. Uh, there's a thing for Recovery Road uh, coming soon, and then there's a mission to Haiti. So all the details are on your bulletin. Um, man, I was just thinking about that song, uh, the evidence of the Lord and like the Holy Spirit is here and all these things, and I'm like, Every time I hear that song, the thing I think about most is like, the evidence is like all the people in this room. I'm like, oh, it's so good that all these people are here, the kids are here, um, and we're just excited to be here. So we're glad you're here. If you're new, my name is Mark. Um, thank you guys for coming. I'm gonna have the ushers come on up, and we'll take offering, assuming we have ushers. I don't know. If we can get a couple guys or ladies. Great. No worries. Um, well, yeah, maybe I'll just wait half a moment. That's right. All right, we'll just pray, and then um, John will come up and do his thing. Lord, we just uh, come before you again. God, just, again, just thankful for that time of worship. God, thank you for... Um, helping us to enter in. God, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit, God, leads us and guides us. And um, God, again, I just pray for John, pray that you'd speak through him. God, that you would just use him um, to deliver your message, God, of um, your love for us, God, your redemptive work. And God, we just pray that you would um, just help him, God, just to communicate clearly. And um, we just ask this in your name. Amen. Good morning. Immediately they turned this down. Yeah, so glad you guys are here. If you are new, make sure you fill out one of those cards in front of you. Uh, we have a guest center right in the back, and we have a gift for you. We'd love to meet you. Just glad uh, that you guys are here. So today I, uh, I have the privilege. We're starting a new series, and yeah, it's called The Way. If, you're, if they're going to put that up right there, it's called The Way. Right? I almost called it the samurai life because I'm weird like that. Right? I, I know. I know. Uh, I, was like, I was like studying like the life of the samurai. And then I thought, said to myself, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to say all sorts of crazy things that no one cares about. But that's how I do. I go in these interesting tangents. But I thought it would be interesting because when you hear the word samurai, what do you think? Warrior? I, immediately I think of Shredder. <laughs> I don't know. I think of the Ninja Turtles, right? I think of Tom Cruise on The Last Samurai or Japan. I used to live in Japan when I was a kid or Japanese culture. But I also think of farmers and leaders and defenders and warriors and discipline and sword experts and martial artists with really cool armor. But I mostly think of Shredder, right? But that's just how I'm, my brain rolls. But I was, I was doing some study and the word samurai literally means, translated means, warrior and servant. Those words are interchangeable, warrior and servant. Think about that for a moment. How cool is that? I like that a lot, warrior and servant, right? 
The word in the Bible, deacon, literally means, it means servant. We think it means leader, but it means servant. So there's a lot of words that it just uh, started to mix together for me. But I want to just give you some history. Between the 11th and the 14th century, the samurai was a warrior class. And they had cool man buns, way before man buns were cool, right? So I was thinking, huh, you used to have a man bun. Yes, I'm sorry, I called you out there, right? <laughs> but they devoted themselves to the strict code called Bushido, which means the way of the warrior. And, and this code was handed down from warrior to warrior, from a master to pupil, uh, to generation to generation, and it was not written in books. The historians, the Japanese historians said it was written on the fleshly tables of the heart. It was, and I was thinking, this code, it's centered around virtues of self-discipline, self-sacrifice, obedience, skill, honor, Encourage all things I believe that we need today, that people need to grow in today. A society would be better if we grew in these virtues, right? And, and because we still need warriors, we still need servants today. We still need warrior servants to lead today, not just to sit back, right? So uh, now, as followers of our master Jesus, he too lived by a code of virtues, and it was called the Beatitudes. Anyone know the Beatitudes? Yeah, it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's part of his Sermon on the Mount, right? right? And, and he speaks of them, and, and he says, this is heaven's rule. I'm changing the rules. Jesus comes and speaks at the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, you thought life was this way, but let me teach you life in heaven's rule, what, e what eternity looks like, the rule of life, to become fully alive, that there's a way for us to live, to fully engage God, his creation his mission and we can live in the realities of God now the realities of eternity now the goal of Christianity is not goodness and being nice the goal of Christianity is living in the realities of Jesus right now that we are missing something in our life and that there's so much more to life than we can ever imagine. That Jesus lived in a way that was completely counter-cultural. He flipped the script, but he, when we look at his life, he lived so full. And that's the way we desire to live, to live into the eternities now. That's a lot of spit, right? And, it's, and so, yeah, I, saw, I see your face there. You're like, yes, it is. And so, in living that way, what if we have access to God so much deeper than we've ever can imagine. Just imagine with me. What if one year from now, your, your life and my life could be so different if we really step in to the way that Jesus lived? And we said, I'm not going to do it as something, I'm not going to just put a little bit of Jesus here and there, but I'm going to fully engage in the way that you see life, Jesus. I'm going to fully engage in the way you treat people, Jesus. I'm going to live your sermon on the mount, your beatitudes. Just like Moses had this moment on the mountaintop where he gave the Ten Commandments, Jesus had this moment of the new covenant on a mountaintop called the Sermon on the Mount. And that's why I focus on it so much. It's supposed to be our radical moment as Christians to enter in to the way that Jesus is living and not just sitting back and saying, oh, I'm going to pick a little here and a little there. No, I want you to enter in fully to the way of our master, Jesus.
the realities of God. We would have a life, living in this way, we would have a life that can stand up to everything the world can throw at us. Everything from poverty to suffering to prosperity and greed, even death and eternity, we would be ready because this is living eternally now. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gates for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Think about that for a moment. And those who enter by this wide gate are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. That's Matthew, right? And and he's alluding, in Jesus' words, he's alluding to Proverbs where he says, there's a way that appears right to a man that leads to death. We can pick and choose a way that seems most right for us. And that's what we're told. Like, oh, do what's most right for you. And, and what feels best for you, what's easiest for you, what's the best, what you feel like is the best outcome. And Jesus says, man, that could lead to death, right? Uh, and I say around here, who gives you the worst advice that you've ever taken? You do, right? <laughs> right? Who gives you advice that you would never give someone else? You do, right? Who, said, who talks about you worse than anyone else? You, right? You've never said that you would never call certain people those words, but how many times do you call yourself an idiot, right? I don't know if you do, but I'm like, Dad, you idiot. <laughs> Why would you do such a thing? I don't know. I, I talk to myself in a way I would never speak to my children. Well, in my mind, I think about it, but I don't say them out loud, but I say it out loud to myself, right? And I was thinking, man, we give ourselves advice that would lead to death, and then we tell each other, man, do what... Uh, do you do what and uh, do you do whatever you feel like is most right and Jesus is like no I have a way that's most right how about we do that right and God already has a way for us to live to become fully alive to dive deeper into life than you've ever done before and listen for those today who maybe don't know Jesus, but this is for you, for those today who have been living one foot in and one foot out in their faith. Maybe it's time to make the jump because when you live one foot in and one foot out in, uh, in, in this walk with God, you get the worst of both, right? You know enough about Jesus to check the boxes, but you won't experience the fullness that God has for you. I mean it. I mean it. How about you take the plunge today and begin to learn and live the way of our master? And through this series, and today is just an intro sermon to the disciplines that I want to teach you throughout the next few weeks. But I want to teach you the disciplines that Jesus actually practiced, the way he saw the world, the way he thought about life. And, And so we too can begin and close the gap between what we believe and how we live. I think that's huge. And I, I, and I say this, but our daily disciplines determine destiny. Our daily disciplines determine destiny. W- meaning, what you do today is absolutely your tomorrow. We think, oh, it's connected to my past. No, no. What you do today is your tomorrow for sure. Right? 
So if you want a different tomorrow, if you want God to infiltrate your tomorrow, you got to do, you got to work on disciplines today. Don't hope for the best. Take little steps towards Jesus because our daily disciplines determine destiny. And with God's help, I pray that he wakens the warrior servant in all of us, not to conform to Christian culture, but to be transformed into the image of Jesus to the image of Jesus. And for all those who are frustrated with the Christian life, this message is for you. For people who are wondering if real change is possible, people who feel stuck or desire more of God, this is for you. And now, I don't know about you, but if you ever felt this way, do you ever get disappointed in yourself? I know I do. And I, I was like, man, I get so disappointed. And it's not because of finances or I lack a six-pack. Someone told me, John, uh, I won't say who, Janet, uh, but uh, you are gaining too much weight. I was like, I'm like, we don't say that. We're in America now, Janet, right? I was like, I was thinking in my head, that's what my, my parents would say to me. Because us immigrants, we say whatever, right? We, we just say it. We say it. There's no like this and being nice. We're like... Mm, you look messed up today. Oh, I see that there's a thing on your eye. I'm like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> when I need encouragement, I will, I will go to you, right? Uh, but I was, thinking, I was thinking today, don't you ever get disappointed? I don't get disappointed right now about the future of my career, my six-pack, or my finances. But it's deeper than that. I'm disappointed of how I'm still broken. I'm like, geez, I should be more together than this. You ever say that to yourself? In so many ways. I get disappointed, and these are little things. As a father sometimes, I thought me and my children would be closer. I thought we would have magical moments around the fire. You know, you have all these imaginary moments that we're going to do together. We're going to talk about life and tell stories, and then you try to set it up. We're going to pray together, family, and then my son Ezra just, like, farts, right? And you're like, I'm trying to have this spiritual moment. I'm not trying to just... I'm just being honest. And I'm like, why do you do this to me? I, I had in my mind this beautiful moment, and you're ruining it, right? I get disappointed in these moments, but it's just the truth, right? I wanted at bedtimes for me to be around their bed, and we would talk uh, around, and they would tell me the deep things they're going through. And, I'm, and instead, I'm just like, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you want to talk about it? No. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I thought would happen, right? We're talking about the goodness of God. But the truth is, most of the time, I'm rushing them off the bed, right? And I'm talking to parents right now. And I, I, I'm rushing them off the bed not because I want, because I want to, because I want to have some me time. That's what I think in my mind. Which just means I'm going to watch TV or get on my phone, right? I need some me time. Which means I'm going to end up on YouTube or trying to buy something on Craigslist, then I rush them to school. I rush them to practice. I'm distracted by my phone. I'm yelling at them for things that I do, right, <laughs> which is funny. I tell them, get off electronics. You watch too much TV, right? You need to read more, pray more. You need to be more balanced. It's crazy because then right after that, I go and get on my phone. I watch TV, and, I, and I'm not balanced. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm doing the exact opposite, I'm telling you. But I'm not just disappointed as a father. I'm disappointed sometimes as a husband, as a neighbor, I should be a better neighbor. But it's so hard to talk to this guy because I know he's going to talk for two hours, right? And, it's, and so I'm like, oh, I give him the wave or the head, the head bob, depending if it's a, a woman or a man. If it's a man, I give him the head bob, then I go into my garage, right? 
or as a friend I get disappointed, or as a leader, because to tell you the truth, I'm disappointed sometimes that still, after all this time, I love God so little, and I still sin too much. I still get caught up in jealousy, in comparison, right? I hold grudges. I don't know about you, but I hold grudges sometimes. I'm like, get over it, John, right? And, and, and then I get disappointed sometimes when I get judgmental. I'm still a long way from the person I want to be. Why is this so hard? You ever feel that way? Right? But how do I get from here to there, from who I am to who I need to be, from who I really want to be, who my kids and wife need me to be, the person that God called me to be when he had in mind, when he created me, and that's what this series is about. So if you have your Bibles, please go to 2 Corinthians 5. All right, we cheer for the Word of God because the Word of God reveals Jesus, and Jesus, I'm telling you, has changed my life has changed my life. I'm still in process, but he's changing me. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. I'm going to read quickly. It says, for the love, for Christ's love compels us. And what he's saying this, if God is the creator of the world, he loves us so much that he took our sins, our judgment, and died for us. If this is true, I am compelled. I'm not just emotional, like, oh, that's a good idea. No, I must be compelled. If Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we can't just give him an applause and say, that's cool, right? I am compelled, right? And it continues because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. He's telling us straight up, Christians, Christians in this room, you no longer live for yourself, but for him who died for them. And will rise and was raised again. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do know so no longer. And this is my main verse here. Therefore, and anytime you hear therefore, that means this is it. This is it. Listen, listen, listen. If anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us, who united us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry. You have a ministry of reconciliation. We pick up what Jesus has started, verse 19, that God was reconciling you, reuniting the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, making all things new. He has committed to us, you, he has committed to you, you in this room, you are committed to the message of reconciliation. Your life is a message of God's reconciliation, God's love and God's grace and God's truth to this world. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though he is making an appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, united, submitted, settled, conspiring with God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The heart of Christianity is transformation. The heart of Christianity, it's transformation. It's not good doing. It's not feeling good. It's not just, it's not just about my relationship with God. The heart of Christianity is absolute transformation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
There's something entirely new that's happening in you. It's not about conforming, learning some information, doing some Christian stuff, and peppering Jesus into our life. Just a little here, right? No, God is transforming you. This is the language that's being used, born again. Everything is different. It's a completely new creation, completely new, transformed from one thing to another. And number one, if you're taking notes, transformation starts with new life and not a new leaf. You're not turning over a new leaf. I'm just going to do some things differently. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what Paul is saying. We're not just trying something different. We're trusting God to form us into something completely different into his likeness with new hopes, with a new identity, with a new purpose, and even a new way of thinking. Did you know that caterpillars turn into butterflies? Did you know this? Did you know this? And you have like, duh, John, right? Duh. And I was thinking about this. One creature, this thing called the caterpillar, turns into something completely different. Did you know through the way of metamorphosis that one creature, the caterpillar, eats leaves and has many, many legs, right? And then the other creature eats nectar, right? And one creature, like, crawls around on branches. The other creature flies, a complete transformation one creature becomes another a plump little worm one day becomes a cocoon and goes into this cocoon for 14 days and literally turns into soup did you know caterpillars turn into soup they they digest themselves yeah enjoy that right their enzymes go out and they start digesting themselves they digest all their body parts, all their brain, all their gi- digestive organs, nothing remains. And in 14 days, they come together to become a completely different creature with wings, with different eyes, a different brain, different habits, different diet. They're not the same thing. That's what complete transformation is like. They have different colors. They have different wings, right? They have four legs instead of many. They have a different everything, habits. But the word metamorphosis is the word that, the, that Paul writes into the Bible when he talks about our life transforming into Christ. We are new creatures. Everything has changed. The old is gone. He's not saying like just some of, the, some of it's gone. He's like, no. I think of my life many years from today I think of when God saved me, honestly, when he started this transformation process, I could tell you I was absolutely a completely different person. Absolutely. The way I thought was different. The way I saw the world was different. The way I believed my purpose was different. Think about it. I, I, I was thinking about my life. I was in a lot of trouble. I won't give you all the details of my history. I give it here and there. But I was insane, right? And, 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 and I was thinking, I am completely different. My life is completely different when I put my life finally into the hands of God. See, our unity with God impacts not just our spiritual life, like, oh, do some spiritual stuff. No, it impacts your family. If I did not follow Christ, it would have absolutely impact my children. I pro- Candace probably wouldn't have married me. Uh, she would enough, maybe. No. She's just smiling. She's like, I, I barely married you. <laughs> But it impacts our time, impacts our thinking, it impacts our very purpose of life. 
And now we live in a different reality with God because God has saved us. And we begin to believe that all things are possible, that heaven is coming and invading earth, and we're in on it. Number two, transformation is a process, not a destination. It's a process, not a destination. Philippians 1, 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it. He will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that verse. In Jesus, we begin new life. We don't just know, we don't know how to live this new life. Just telling you the truth, right? So, so many times we start trying to go back to our old life what we know, what we've done. And I, I, I know some of us have done it. God has saved us, and then we're trying to live in this new life. We don't know how to live in this new life, so we try to go back to our old life. But now we don't even enjoy our old life, right? It's funny. We, it, uh, in my life, I went back into the depths of, like, being insane, back to drugs, back to sin, back to partying, and I just didn't enjoy it anymore. I was like, ugh, I can't even enjoy this part. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to do what everyone else is doing. Then at night, I'd be like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. There's a part of us that when new creation comes, your old life, it's passed away. But you're trying to live in the old man, but it's not you anymore. And for some of us, when we're one step in and one step out, you can't enjoy the fullness of God or the fullness of not knowing God, the fullness of sin, so you feel stuck in the middle. I don't know if anyone ever felt like that because you're a butterfly trying to crawl around like a caterpillar. You are. Trust that God is in process with you and he's doing a good work. Transformation is a process, not a destination. So start small. Think about these things. Small changes. If it's your language, if you're just dropping F-bombs all the time, try to drop two less, <laughs> right? If you're, if you're taking small things out of your life, uh, what you watch and what you listen to, try just a little bit. God, I'll, I'll even put this stuff into your hands. And we think little things don't matter. I'm telling you, little things matter much, right? And it can be for just a time, little by little, our daily disciplines determine our destiny. It's not the big things that we think we're taking out. It's the little things that God is, uh, is allowing to change in us. We start adding prayer and confession. And you're like, I've never done that before. Well, do it in the way that only you could do it. You're like, uh, right? Tell God your shortcomings. Like, uh, I don't know how to do this, God. And, and, and just do it that way. There's no formal way of doing it. You're learning. You're learning how to crawl before you run, to walk, right? To ask God for forgiveness. There has to be a confession. Tell God your wounds and your hang-ups, even when it feels uncomfortable. And it could be five minutes of silence. You're like, all right, I'm going to just try to listen to you, God. And it's going to be awkward the whole time. And, and, the, and the person next to you in the car is staring at you, and you're like trying to be calm, right? Practice kindness. Learn to rest. This is a good word for many of us. Learn to rest. God can handle your life without you being in control the whole time. For you control freaks and type A's, right? And if you fail today, try it tomorrow. Try it next week, right? Learn consistency. Be consistent in your groups. Be consistent to church. Be consistent to disciplines. And you might feel like a 12-year-old going through puberty with gangly arms, right, and a cracking voice. You're like, I don't know how to do this. That's how it feels. It does. 
but we train ourselves until we learn into our ambassadorship for Christ, representing Jesus, that he's making an appeal through you, even in these little, tiny ways. You bring heaven down in a little way to the worst manager you have. Treat them well, not because they deserve it, but you represent God. You are an ambassador of Christ. Practice the presence of God. When everything is in chaos, man, pray and say, God, I need help right now because I feel insane, right? My kids are going wild at work, at home, at school. And finally, number three, transformation is letting go and grabbing a hold. It's letting go and grabbing a hold. You got to let go of your past, your identities, things that you used to build your life on. And there's some, some of us who are still trying to build our life on this is me, this is me, this is me. And God's saying, you don't even know. I need you to build your life on me. You're my child. And with God's help, I believe that he can start let, helping us let go of some stuff. There's some stuff in our lives that we've been holding on to way too long. And it's been holding you down. And God's saying, let go. Trust me. Tim Keller, one of my favorite writers and pastors, he writes, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally, it could be fatal, it's fatally inferior to your weak faith in a strong branch, right? If you're on a cliff, if you have the strongest grip and the strongest faith, but if that branch goes nowhere, you're still, it's still, you're still going down that hill. But even your weak faith in a strong branch, which is Christ, man, will save you. I, I love in the Bible all over the place, it's not about all these people with mighty faith. It's about people, normal people like you and me. A father who says, Lord, help my unbelief. Remember that moment in the Bible when he needs his child healed? And I was like, oh, he doesn't even have faith. He didn't have faith, and Jesus is like, I got you. I will heal your child even for your future faith. I thought that was crazy. I was like, Jesus, you desire to do a work in our lives, even if we have a glimmer, just a little bit of something left in us. Some of us and some of you guys have been through such trials and hardship, and you're God is close. To you, holiness might sound impossible right now for your life. It did for me. But the possibility comes by the work of God and not by our works. We might need to say, God, I'm just available, God, and I trust you today. And it might be one day at a time, one moment at a time, one incident at a time, learning the way that Jesus lived. See, I'm excited for the ways of heaven. It might seem simple, but it's the little things that we change in our life that gets us a long way, right? So I'm, don't miss it, the way of the master. And with God's help, that he would awaken the warrior servant in all of us. And I want to ask us, what would it look like one year from now 
If we truly, finally, put our faith in God fully, what would our lives look like? I know, you're like, that's impossible. I know, that's why I'm telling you, one step at a time. What would your past look like? The things that you've been carrying, the burdens that you've been carrying your whole life, maybe in your family, you carry all the stress. Some of you guys are that way. You try to keep peace in the family. What, if it, what, what would it look like as you would give that to God? What would it look like? Some of you guys have been through such pain, and you guys don't know what it means to live in the freedoms of Christ. What would it look like if those pains were finally gone, and you finally felt <coughs> forgiven, or you could forgive? What would it look like if you could hear the voice of God in your life, sense the leading of God every single day, the joy that that would bring your life, and the hope that it would bring others? I believe we, as the church of God, Hill City Church, if we would just take little steps in the direction of Jesus, picking up the disciplines of Jesus' life and the way he thought, one year from now, our lives, our church, the people in this community could look totally different, filled with the hope of God. And if there's, if there's no magic to it, Jesus says, come to me. Come on, come at me. You ever tell your kid that? Come at me. Right? As a father, I always tell my kids that. But I believe Jesus is saying the same thing for us today. Come at me. Come at me. You think I can't handle it? I got you. I got you. I can handle anything you have. Anything that's holding you back. Let's pray. Let's stay. Father, do surgery right now. 
remove the things in our lives that has hurt us for too long, the sin in our lives that we have just accepted as normal, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we could step into the way that you live life, the way you see people, the way you see eternity, Lord God. One step at a time. Our daily disciplines determine destiny. And you are bringing a transformation of new life. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I pray that during this week you take little steps towards Jesus. God bless you guys.